Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is some of our thoughts. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode seven. We have some excellent wines, recipes, vinyl, and store for you all. And I hope you're having a great day. Carter, what wine do we have this this beautiful, beautiful day? I was going to say evening, but it's 11 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Good morning. Good morning. Would you Good like morning. some wine? Yeah. <laughs> so today we have Egon. That's a Gruner Veltlinger from Austria. And it is a screw top leader twist off green glass bottle that is so recognizable. I sell it at the wine shop in Waco, Texas. And it's a T. Edwards import selection that is a very big and prominent importer for us, my wine shop. And this is probably one of the best-selling white wines that we have at my wine shop. The label's really cool. As Carter said, it's a liter glass green bottle with the black screw top. The label itself, it just says Egon in really large letters. And then there's, like, this man in black and white with like a broken neck I can't really tell <laughs> so it's a it's a portrait by Egon Schiele okay there we go there we go and he was known for a lot of this style of drawing it's very minimalist sketch with like a charcoal uh, or a ink pen and then he did a lot of really beautiful technicolor like paintings around it he was a protege of Gustav Klimt Klimt and um is very well-known Austrian painters of, like, the turn of the 20th century. And unbelievably, this is probably one of his, like, most, like, like it's a deep cut in terms mm-hmm. of, like, the artwork. We can talk more about it later, too. But I, um, I've i just always loved how striking the label is because yeah. it, it really is, like, a work of art. <clears throat> yeah, it's beautiful. It's mostly black and white, and then there's just beautiful, like, stream of, Almost looks like a, not stained glass, but very, I don't know, very different blocks of color. It's really pretty. It could be a a tapestry. It could be like a stream of energy. It could be. Stream of energy. I love that. And speaking of which. Speaking of. Cheers. Clink. We haven't clinked these glasses. That was nice. That was very nice. So as a lot of (sighs) wine people do and share this with me, I have a problem with. Buying too many wine glasses. <laughs> Sarah has a lot of wine glasses. <laughs> These to are the my point, favorites. 
yeah, it's to the point where I'm having to, like, look for a shelf to store more wine glasses. I don't know. They're just fun. And I keep saying, well, some break. They really don't break that often. No. <laughs> I'm really good about not breaking glasses, thankfully. But we're anyway. professionals. We're professionals. So this wine. Ugh, this wine. This delicious, crispy, fresh, still fruity. Still fruity. Clean, beautiful wine. I think it's it's very um, fitting that it's in a green bottle because this wine just tastes green to me. It does. It and has that like limey, hay-like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Such grassy. a light color, too. And it's got like a slight effervescence to it where there's just like a little tangle. It does, and I always forget that Egon has that mm. until I buy it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it just it's <clears throat> such a good wine to cut through. Uh, a lot of like really big dishes, like what we're going to talk about in our food dish later is like a little spicier. This has really like, to me, this is like the perfect level of acidity in a white wine. Yeah, absolutely. I like pretty high acid whites. I don't like high acid reds, but I like my whites to have a bit of acid to it. Just that really clean finish. And oh, this is just so nice. Yeah, there really is like a clarity of flavor and it's in balance so well, and it really kind of lays over your entire tongue to where afterwards you're still going, like you want more of it. You yeah. want to keep drinking it. It's so so nice. Yeah, one sip is not enough. <laughs> I think I bought this wine for the first time three ish years ago or so. Yeah, pre pre COVID. <clears throat> yeah, pre COVID, and I remember it was one of the first wines I started buying. Uh, repeat buying as a white wine because for the longest time I was only a red wine girl and I've always liked bubbles of course but yeah I remember a few years ago I was really getting heavily into wine and I was like okay I've got to start drinking more white wine like I just I have to And, and I think the problem was I just hadn't found the right varietals that I really liked because I don't like heavier bodied white wines I like lighter white wines and yeah, this was just it for me. I remember I tried it and then I just wanted more of it. <laughs> so I still buy it all the time. This is also a great springtime porch wine, pool time, oh, the pool. summer wine. Oh my goodness. We live in the pool in the summer, if you didn't know. Thrilled about it. Mm-hmm. Almost warm enough that we can swim now. Ooh. So the Gruner Veltlinger is a very underrated grape in general but it's the number one grape out of austria and so this is probably like the closest representation that you can find mm-hmm. um at least in waco texas for us because it's not like they have a gruner section of the grocery store no no <laughs> <laughs> i actually went to twins yesterday and got i found a few there really i didn't open i bought one i didn't open it wow I fell asleep yeah i'm shocked i mean that's I great mm-hmm. look at you go I, but I, like, really had to look for it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was hard. Because, I mean, it, it's safe to say that, like, even out of Austria and Germany, like, the Riesling is, like, the most well-known yes. white, high-acid white. Mm-hmm. And um, they're also really well-known for, like, Pinot Blanc. But that's pretty hard to find. I, yeah. I don't think I've ever had one outside of the wine shop. Mm-hmm. It was, like, designated without being blended into anything. And I accidentally found the one yesterday. I was looking for Vermentino. At my job, we used to make Vermentino, which is a really nice um, Italian white. And I can't find it anywhere. And I still didn't find it yesterday. But I found a Gruner Vetliner, and I was like, 
well, that's great. I will be having this <laughs> instead. But anyway. So, lemon, green apple, minerals for days. It is minerally. It's so minerally. Like, ooh, it's like licking a rock. <laughs> kind of. A In like a happy way. <laughs> with like white pepper all over it. Because mm. like, it's just like. The finish and like even just looking it up, that's like a that's like a characteristic it's known for is yeah. like the white pepper finish, and they ain't wrong. They ain't. <laughs> it's such a light color. I mean, it's not even straw. It's just like it's practically clear. It has like a little bit of like a golden. But it still it's, has that little green tinge to me. It it does. Just a You're hint. right. Yeah. yeah. So nice. And it just photographs so beautifully. Yeah, I have does. so many pictures of Egon in the shop when it's like golden <laughs> hour, like the yeah. sun's coming through the window, and and it's just so pretty with nature, especially. Absolutely is. So, did you have any more about the variety or the producer? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, let's just go down my notes. It's thirteen yeah. percent alcohol, which isn't too high, but it's also not too low. Yeah, for a white. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely present there. Um, they have pretty strict fermentation and bottling standards, and they actually um, have to have the screw top in Austria for this really? percentage of alcohol content. Yeah. Oh, wow. Which is really interesting. Um, I wish that I had Did they? Do you know if they used stainless steel? Yes. They used, okay, cool. They... Um, for being patient with me. <clears throat> so it's made exclusively from a family that's been making wine in the region since 1868. 1868? Yes. Wow. Um, but they, they source their grapes from about 13 acres, like all around their property. and um, Or sorry, a 13-mile radius. And then it's sustainably farmed on soil that is uh, on the banks of the... Danube River. That's a huge river that cuts through Austria. So they have like the northern region above the river and then you know the lower region yeah. below the river. <laughs> 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 and the grapes are whole cluster pressed and uh, vinified in stainless steel tanks. Stainless so steel. I think cool. that, that speaks to that like crisp, clean. Yes, anything in stainless steel always just tastes better to me. That, yeah. Like, yeah, that clean, crisp finish on it. For sure. And so Austria has the DAC, that's like their, Ita or the like Italian DOC, yeah. the Appalachian Standards. And the screw top is required, which I think is really fascinating because people don't really associate screw tops with like high quality wines, but right. we're coming around Things are to changing it. though. Yeah, it's cheaper. It I is. think it's easier. I just read a whole article in a wine enthusiast about the foil on some bottles of wine, a lot of people are doing away with that because they're saying, like, it's pointless. Yeah. It's wasteful. It's the first thing you cut off. You literally cut <laughs> it. Cut, yeah, you cut it off and just throw it away. But, you know, some people are like, oh, well, traditionally. So, yeah. Wine is, things are happening. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's that Shiner commercial that's like, why do you have the screw top? To get to the beer faster. <laughs> I haven't seen that. <laughs> I think it was a billboard on South wow. Congress in Austin. It was great. That's amazing. Always made me smile. <clears throat> so real quick about Austria, though. They, they rank 13th amongst wine-producing countries worldwide, which I thought was very surprising because, I mean, 
top 10 is definitely what we all know would be France, Italy, Spain, Germany, Australia, Argentina. But Austria, you don't think as having like this huge wine culture, but they really do. I continue. I feel like I had something in my notes about that as well that was like, oh, okay, Austria. Yeah. Um, They've been planting... The first recorded account of of vines being planted was the 4th century. And then they were tended by monks in the Middle Ages. And um, they never really lost all of their vines either. There's a a lot of prohibitionary type of things that happened in... um, just throughout the course of human history, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> World right. War One and um, World War Two definitely took a, a toll on Austrian winemaking, but um, it's roughly like Austria itself is the size of about Maine, and they have over twenty thousand growers and approximately sixty five hundred wineries. The size of Maine? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Wow. Right. Okay. Huh. And I mean, that's just a lot, like 6,500 wineries that make and bottle wine in Austria. That's, th- to think about like 6,500 wineries in the state of Maine is yeah. shocking. And I mean, uh, for a country that's obviously part of the EU, they have their certified organic production. Um, that's, I think, the highest, has the largest percentage of land under that that certified organic uh, protection act in the EU. And, I mean, that's, for farming, very important. Yeah. To have all the, what am I trying to say? I'm still, I'm, like, looking up, oh, my God, it's the size of Maine. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy to me. Wow. And this is their most important uh, grape varietal, both in terms of, like, quality and the acreage devoted to it. Interesting. That's awesome. And in their philosophy, they say the Austrian philosophy of winemaking um, provides the greatest purity. No, I read that wrong. What? (laughs) (laughs) I read it backwards in my head. Um, The greatness resides in purity. That's their their philosophy. Philosophy. Yeah. They had like a wine like shield that would be on their crest. Which you can taste that in Egon. It's just so crisp. It's so it's so scrumptious. Scrum <laughs> there she is. Speaking <laughs> of scrum deliciousness, I have a crazy recipe for you guys today. <laughs> we had kind of a hard time at first coming up with a food pairing because there's so many different avenues to go down. So yeah. like like Eastern European style food, like schnitzel or mm-hmm. like a. Also, I think this is a great one with, like, seafood. Yes. Like a type of seafood. Fish. Unbelievable. So there was a lot of different options we had, but Sarah decided on... Curry. Unbelievable. (laughs) And... My curry recipe was a beautiful little happy accident, as I like to say. <laughs> and the way I cook, I I really never follow recipes. I'm kind of the worst, but also the best. Definitely the best. <laughs> I just, I taste things until it's better, right? And yeah. then something happens. So basically, my intention for making this curry dinner in the beginning, I want it to be 
wanted it to be vegetarian based, right? And I was like, oh, let's get like all these yummy vegetables and like some chickpeas, make this really rich curry sauce, put it over some white rice, a few sprigs of cilantro, and we're good. So (laughs) I had everything going, simmering in this pot. And then my child, who is a baby, fell asleep on top (laughs) of me and refused (laughs) to let me just put him down on like the bed, the ca- anything, anything other than me. He started to wake up. So I was like, okay, what I like to call nap trapped, <laughs> <laughs> which has happened countless times now. So I'm nap trapped. I'm just like, okay, well, that curry's just going. <laughs> and it ended up simmering for probably two hours on like two or three, like the level. And then I get, Ryan comes home and he's like, hey, what's that smell? It smells so good. And I'm like, well, <laughs> about that. So the kid wakes up, Lucas, not the kid, whatever. Um, I go check on the curry, and it's more liquidy because <laughs> everything was just mush at that point, sure. right? Yeah. So then I was like, okay, well, it tastes amazing because the depth of the flavor was literally simmering for two hours, so everything would just really got melded together in the most beautiful way. So then I took an immersion. I let it cool cool off a little bit. And then I took an immersion blender and I blended all of it to make it really smooth and creamy. And then I was like, oh, damn. I was like, I know what I'm going to do. So I made a chicken katsu curry recipe using that sauce. So for my curry recipe, it's a little long, but I won't bore you. I used the base with a few, quite a few different seasonings. I did pepper, salt. There's cumin, garlic powder, and then I had two different curry powders themselves. One was a hot curry powder, and it had garlic powder, onion, turmeric, tamari powder, which I thought that was kind of cool, mustard, and a, even like a lime juice powder in there for some acidity, which was great. And then just a regular curry powder, um, cumin, garlic, salt, pepper, all that fun stuff. So I sauteed one onion with about four cloves of garlic first, and that like Dutch oven, if you will. I sauteed that and then I dumped all the spices in there with it. And then the smell with that was just amazing, honestly. So after that was doing its thing, then I added two cans of coconut milk. And depending on how much you're making, two cans was probably enough. But like I said, I didn't plan on simmering it for two hours. (laughs) So I did two cans of coconut milk. Um, I think I put a little bit of oat milk in there, too, to make it a little more creamy. And then I used about a half cup of water just to thin it out because coconut milk is pretty thick. So I thinned it out with some water. And then I threw in two diced potatoes, one sweet potato, two carrots, one can of chickpeas, and about a cup of broccoli, and half a bell pepper, which I'm glad I remembered because I didn't write that down. And yeah, let it do its thing. Simmer for about two hours. And I'm one of those people like in the beginning, like I'll stir it, I'll taste it, I'll stir it, I'll taste it. And I just adjust. If I need more of one thing or the other, you know, you just play around with it till it tastes like how you want it to taste. So you've got that going. So at this point, while that's simmering, I would start your chicken katsu. And chicken katsu is, it's kind of like we mentioned earlier, a schnitzel basically, Or the Japanese do like a katsu style. So the curry is more traditional curry. It's not a Japanese curry. But with the chicken katsu breading, because you use a lot of panko breadcrumbs, it's a really cool combo with this line. So you want to take two chicken breasts, some salt, pepper, 
two-thirds cup of flour, two large eggs, one and a fourth cup of panko breadcrumbs, and then whatever oil you want to fry in. So for your chicken breast, you want to slice them in half just to make sure they're thin enough so they're going to fry evenly. And if you need to do the thing where you like put parchment paper or like something on top and kind of pound it down with the meat meat cleaver, excuse me, <clears throat> then you totally can to make it really flat and even. Um, so you're basically going to do that and then you're going to dredge everything in a combo. Of, you're going to do the flour first, the egg, and then the panko. And with the egg, you just want to take a separate bowl for all three. With the egg, you want to whisk it before you dunk it in there. And usually with the egg, I'll whisk it, and then I'll add a little bit of water just to make it a little thinner as well because you don't want, like, a chunky egg piece. That's real gross. (laughs) So flour, egg, panko, and then you're just going to fry that. And I've talked about frying quite a bit in previous sessions. For the panko, just put enough oil, like maybe – an inch and a half or so because you don't need to like deep fry it deep fry it but you just you do want it to have that nice golden crispy crunch so you have that and I would serve this over some rice just white rice so take your bowl with your white rice take your chicken katsu breasts chicken breasts after they're done frying and slice them into strips and then you're going to pour that curry sauce over the top of it so it's going to really Um, absorb into the rice, absorb into the breading of the chicken katsu. And then I like to put a little sprig of cilantro in my curry because I just really like that flavor combo on top. And then you're going to drink this Egon Brunner-Vettliner with it. And the acid is going to cut right through the curry and it's going to be such a cool combo. Because the curry is, it's a very heavy, like hearty, heavy, filling meal right it's a cozy meal it's like a cozy meal it's raining you want to eat curry (laughs) you're sad you want to eat curry (laughs) or i do so yeah that's that's it and it's such a fun dish and it's delicious and i made so much of that curry sauce actually froze quite a few bags that i still have in my freezer so also do that if you ever make too much of like something that is freezable i guess like a sauce don't be afraid to freeze it and reuse it because so many times I'm like, oh, I made too much. And then I get distracted and then it's sitting there forever. Then I'm like, oh, well, I guess I can redo it one day. And then I never remember how I made it. <laughs> well, because it's so improv. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were doing like a schnitzel instead, if curry's not your thing, make that chicken katsu exactly how you did in this recipe. But I would just go crazy with some potatoes. Potatoes. Like with some dill, some chives, lots of butter cheeses cheeses lots of cheese and a bunch of lemon i would definitely squeeze a bunch of lemon on top too i had a schnitzel at a gas station in germany that had a fried Mm -hmm. egg on it and it was like the best i was so hungover (laughs) that sounds so good fried eggs healed everything literally that sounds so good you could you know if you're doing a japanese curry a lot of japanese curries have the fried egg on top of all of that combo too amazing if you wanted to do that yeah. yeah. That's my recipe. Well, so curl up with your curry and Egon and listen to the Darjeeling Limited soundtrack. <laughs> that sounds like, I mean, sometimes you just have to do something for yourself. So Yeah, you do. This, it makes sense to us, and that's all that matters. <laughs> this is my favorite Wes Anderson movie and my favorite Wes Anderson soundtrack, Me which too. is hard to say because they're all so good. 
So good. The opening track, though, that's one of my all-time favorite songs. Oh, God. Like, top ten. Is it the... the Where do you go to, to my lovely? Yes. So good. The lyrics are uh, perfect. And heartbreaking. Perfect. Yeah. Heartbreaking. And in the opening scene, it's like... It's like a love scene, right? Like naked Natalie Portman with like in the short hotel room. hair. And that yeah. Movie. Yes. Ugh. And he's unzipping her boots and she has all those bruises. Oh, God. It's so good. Oh, it's so such good. a good movie. <laughs> so I love this album just strikes me, first of all, because of the, the imagery. It's all three of the brothers from the movie, Jason Schwartzman, Owen Wilson, and Adam, Bro- yes. Adam Brody. And um, first of all, they're traveling on train through India, which is phenomenal in and of itself. Um, it doesn't, it's hard to say because the, the music is composed by the first one that wasn't composed by Mark Mothersbach, who's like from Devo. He did mm-hmm. all of the music for like Life Aquatic and Rushmore and uh, Royal Tenenbaums. But this particular one is by a Bengali filmmaker named Sajit Rai. Ray. Rai. Ray. I, I don't know how to say it. It's, it's Bengali. It looks beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, there, I mean, such good classic rock on this, and, like, the Kinks, the Rolling Stones, but then all of his his independent, like, original com- compositions are these beautiful, like, um, monks and children chanting. And it really that tells the story. Oh, Every so single well. song on the soundtrack. And, the, like, it's... There's like no words. For, there's not a lot of words in the whole movie. But like, t- <laughs> it's all emotion. It's all really. emotion, and they, God, they nail it. There's this one called "Farewell to Ernest" that's like this really light, where all, they're all smoking cigarettes on the back of the train because the train keeps leaving without them, and they have to run <laughs> down the platform and hop onto it with all their luggage. And um, there's this one song that's just—it's about probably a minute long on Spotify, but I had it as my ringtone, like all through 2010s, oh, wow. like into pretty recently. Um, and it's just this beautiful, like, oh, yeah. oh, and then it's like flutes that are like, <laughs> just, I hear it in my dreams. I do. So, and then it's got like playing with fire by the Rolling Stones and power man and the, like, See you this time tomorrow by the Kinks and strangers during the funeral scene. Just unbelievable. This movie is also just beautiful. Oh God, yeah. Oh, the cinematography, every shot, oh, the colors. Oh, it's beautiful. So you know Wes Anderson has like color palettes for every single one of his movies. Yeah. And even though like this green from the Egon bottle is probably a little bit too like foresty green. That would be like this is like a, a Royal Tenenbaums color to me, but yeah. it's it just sets itself. It feels like that bottle could be sitting on the train in the bar car, like For in sure. the, you know, like uh, in the movie. <laughs> and then to pair it with that food, and then this movie, it just it it had like a symbiosis. I'm very happy that we we both loved it enough to pick it. Absolutely. Because we always brainstorm, right, before the session. It's like, okay, we'll pick the wine first, obviously. And then it's like, okay, well, what food sounds good with that? And then we brainstorm about that. And we usually do the vinyl last because it's like, well, what are we getting from the wine? And now what are we getting from the wine and the food? It was just like, oh, 
I think the only one that we did the music first was the Ray Charles and Rezabal because that yeah. was like that was a big click moment and I was like ooh yes. and texted you like hey <laughs> remember that podcast idea we wanted to do Woo. so it um yeah it's it's not a science but it it just makes sense and it's so it's such a lovely like curated kind of evening and when we talk about like putting these together and like grouping them the whole idea is picturing you like sitting maybe listening to us maybe just listening to music and just having mm. this idea in the back of your head that like this great varietal goes so well with so many different things if you were feeling like a curry or feeling like something else um we're just happy that you're listening yeah well i think that's a wrap on egon yeah yeah beautiful one well we have about half this liter to still go through so i think we're gonna sign off folks <laughs> so go home don't go home yet grab a bottle of egon grab the curry ingredients download that album if you can find it on vinyl even better also you should watch the movie yeah. if you can't find it This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.